All right, let's uh, begin with prayer as we discuss this important topic of porn versus sexual purity. Our Father in heaven, we do come before you, Lord, as <clears throat> men who are needy, in need of your grace, in need of the power of the Holy Spirit to resist the world seeking to conform us into its image, seeking to force us into its mold. Lord, we pray that this discussion would be edifying for us as we discuss this most important topic and that it would challenge us and that we would be able to gather some tools, as it were, to put in our toolbox to fight against lust, sexual impurity of any form. And Lord, we pray that you'd be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 3 says, For this is the will of God. It's always funny when people say, Oh, if only I knew the will of God. Well, <clears throat> there's several places in God's word where it specifically says this is the will of God. Your sanctification. If you were here Thursday night, you would know fuller what that means. We're not going to unpack that now, but holiness being set apart. Yeah. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality. So this is the will of God, your sanctification, and then he's explaining what that looks like or what form of sanctification, holiness, that he's talking about, and is that is that you abstain from sexual immorality. That each one of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor and not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. What do you think is one of the greatest threats to the Christian church in the 21st century? Those of you who have studied church history, you know the various threats and attacks that have come against the church. What do you think some of the big ones would be? I've got one particular in mind, but... Um, For me, uh, something that I've just recently just kind of really been delving into would be the, um, the subtraction of hell and sin from preaching, which... I mean, is, is not new, but I would say with, with new um, technology, it's definitely more prevalent. Um, as people um, are seeking to get in um, to Christianity, um, I know I've been invited to several churches just from, uh, just from speaking to other people about my own experiences, to their churches. Um, my mother has always had a great influence on me with... Um, with the charismatic movement, that's kind of what I grew up in. Um, the mega church scene, um, the uh, the word of faith, or whatever that that, that mm. little realm is, with with Joel Osteen and his father, and a whole bunch of other pastors like that. Um, to me, that I just I, I foresee that as one of the, one of those great <coughs> apostasies that's supposed to take place. So, watering down of the gospel, mm. giving to tricks and gimmicks, which is very, very prevalent. Entertainment, something Mark and I discussed at length recently. Um, These are all threats because the gospel is not being preached in its purity. And I think another threat, at least for our era right now, for sure, is the purity of the Christian church. One of the reasons why people want to have their ears tickled, so that's one of the reasons why the big mega churches are packed. They don't want to be held accountable. And, you know, I I think it's because they're living impure lives. The magnitude of the problem of 
porn and porn addiction or just even sexual lust is huge. Families are being destroyed. Marriages are being broken up on a wide, wide scale. <clears throat> it's happening so fast. It's like the era of the Internet and the building of websites and all that. Everything's happening so fast that we've yet to really see the ramifications of this. I think 10, 15 years down the road when you see a complete fracture of the family, when you see, you know, unless God is pleased to intervene, and I hope he is, probably each of us has, have known someone who's been affected by porn and, and looking at pornography on the internet and they can't stop and 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 so and then you know what happens is that it just leads to you need more and more it's like a heroin addict right it's like oh just a couple little images and then oh i gotta, gotta have this and then it's more and more and more and so a person can become addicted to porn some quick statistics for you in 2005 um, porn was a $20 billion industry. In 2013, it's a $10 billion industry. And you say, wow, it's cut in half. What have we done? Well, it's because so much is available free on the Internet through subscriptions. There's, like, free little things before you join. It's just, I spent hours yesterday reading all this, and it just it makes me sick to my stomach. In 2013, the year that just passed, 2.3 billion searches were made. Mm-hmm. For porn. Just to put that in perspective, that's 68 million a day searches. And Google, Bing, Yahoo, and there was one other one. That was just four search engines. <clears throat> Every second, $3,000 is spent on porn. Uh, 68% of young men view porn at least once a week. That's two, over two thirds. Once a week. Just normal. About a third of women view it, young women rather. And then this is a, this is a product of our postmodern culture and the family already being fractured and not getting that Christian backbone education. But 67 percent of young men and nearly 50 percent of young men, women think that it is an acceptable way of expressing one's sexuality. So they've got no teaching, no grounding from the Bible of how we are to express our sexuality, and they think it's perfectly fine. Now, what day do you think would be the most popular for viewing porn? What? Let's go. What day is the most unpopular for viewing porn? Sunday. <laughs> I guess <Yeah>. Sunday. <laughs> Monday. Okay. Thanksgiving Day is the least oh, okay. popular. Now, what day of the week is the most popular? Saturday. I say Monday. Sunday. Really? It's Sunday. <laughs> People that should be somewhere else are. Uh, and then this is striking, too, because everything's moving to mobile platforms and new websites you can view on an iPhone, on an iPad. They're, most of them are, like, condensed down, so it just it looks right. It's not like you have to scroll back and forth and all that. And what is it? 52% of the pornography consumed last year was through mobile devices. Hmm. So, you know, people who I'm keeping accountable or whatever, it, it, you might have an internet filter at home, but everybody carries a smartphone. Most everybody. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> right. me. <laughs> <laughs> or a tablet. I mean, we've got, we've got multiple tablets right here at the table. So, so the thing is, you've got to have those things. You should have those things protected if this is an area of struggle for you. 
And then let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. The reality is, is that there's a deeper rooted problem called lust. And um, the Greek word can actually have a positive connotation to it. It means a strong desire after something. So sometimes it's actually used positively, but oftentimes it's used negatively, and it's, it's talking about a strong desire for something. Look at Matthew 5, <clears throat> verse 27 to 30, if somebody wants to read that. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Okay, thank you, Rob. <clears throat> so is Jesus just kind of uh, mincing words here? Oh, it's no big deal. Everybody does it, right? Is that what he's saying, or what is he saying? <laughs> View this as something huge. Lusting after <clears throat> another woman. Uh, he likens to breaking the seventh commandment, adultery. So, you know, is Jesus off his rocker here? Is, it, is he getting things mixed up? Of course not. And then he goes to such a, if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. Does he mean literally? No. He doesn't mean literally, but what does he mean? The seriousness of, of it. Take drastic measures. <laughs> Don't just wink at it like, you know, whatever. Take drastic measures. Now, let's talk about sort of a biblical theology of what God intended for sex and then some of the dangers of lust and looking at porn. First of all, what did God create sex for? Procreation. Okay, that's one for sure. Illustration. What is it? Illustration. Illustration, okay. For marriage. Yeah, for marriage. Okay, it's an expression of the marriage covenant. Uh, Psalm 127, children are a blessing from the Lord. Genesis 1, 27, um, uh, you know, be fruitful and multiply. I think it's kind of also, I don't know if this is a stretch, but a typology. Uh, because of Christ in the church and the bride. And, and I think that that the, the seriousness of that particular um, of, of <coughs> remaining in marriage and being sanctified is kind of gives us an indication of the church as the bride of Christ and that being sanctified. So um, I think that those two uh, parallels um, sometimes get overlooked, but I think that's it's like you can look at one and see the other and look at one and see the other, how serious it is for the purity mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, and you've got, well, I mean, Ephesians 5 would be the go-to text to, to look at that. But for sure, yeah, it, it is. It's definitely a picture um, of that. And also, I mean, the mutual enjoyment of the husband and the wife. I mean, Hebrews 13, 4, don't let the marriage bed be defiled. Let's look at Solomon. Turn there. Song of Solomon. <clears throat> Chapter 1. <coughs> Verse 2, or I'll just write at the beginning. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's, 
May he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Verse 13 to 16. And these are, this is just a sampling. My beloved is to me a pouch of myrrh, which lies all night between my breasts. My beloved to me is a cluster of henna blossoms in the vineyards of Engedi. How beautiful are you, my darling, how beautiful you are. Your eyes are like doves. How handsome you are, my beloved, and so pleasant indeed are couches luxury. Anyway, you get the idea here, and there's multiple passages in here. Proverbs, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 5. Verse 18 and 19, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth as a loving hind and a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. So in other words, it's, it, it's, we should be, all of our sexual energy should go towards our spouse or our future spouse. It shouldn't be kind of, you know, s- like scatter it all over the place. It should be direct directed in one place. What do you mean, future spouse? Huh? How do you direct that to your future spouse? In other words, you you're not to express your sexual energy right now, right? If you're not married, right? So in other words, you're you're reserving that so that you have that. If you're oh, I'll reserve it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Interesting. What chapter that? What you talked about before that about hating instruction and. Mm. Um, and then he brings out, uh, which is even makes it more uh, of a stronger point. Yeah, because um, it seems like that those two go. There's a lot of people. Um, I was going to uh, mention on when he said about the statistics. My my music business partner, his daughter, teaches a woman's Bible study, and she speaks at conferences, and she kind of just was kind of just uh, uh, going, repeating stuff like John MacArthur was saying and just kind of got into just doing that and she had um, told told my, my buddy that the number one problem that the young women were coming up afterwards for prayer was porn addiction hmm. and she said it was so bad when she started talking about it a lot of the other women never came back to the Bible study she started mentioning about sexual purity mm-hmm. and that she, the Bible study like cut it down. Yeah, I really think that <clears throat> a lot of people. I mean, it's. I think it's more of a problem for men, but you can't just wink and say, "Oh, it's not a problem for women," because it definitely is. And, and maybe some of the statistics are skewed on that too. But so all of our energy should be directed towards our wife, including our thoughts or future wife, um, those who want to be married. Don't try to excuse um, yourself by just saying, well, you know, this is okay or that's okay and start compromising because as we read in Matthew 5, I mean, Jesus says, I mean, a lustful thought is equated with adultery. So let's talk about how lust is foolish and destructive. First of all, it affects your relationship with God. Um, Any sin is primarily a sin against who? God. God, yeah. Right uh, against you and you only have I sinned, David says in Psalm fifty-one. And turn to First Corinthians chapter six. 
And why don't somebody just read 15 to 20 there, 15 to the end. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. Through what verse? Uh, oh, to the end of the chapter. Oh, to the end of the chapter, okay. Uh... But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. That is incredibly motivating language towards purity because Christ is at stake, right? It's Christ. We've been bought with a price. There's there's all these motives that Paul's using. He's using the exhortations, flee immorality, um, that this is reserved for a marriage. The two shall be one flesh. <clears throat> and verse 20 there, you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God with your body. So we have that exhortation. And Sin also, if it's until it's confessed, breaks our relationship with God, right? It's, it's, it's fractured. Look at Psalm 32. This is a very, very important text. Of course, the psalmist begins in verse 1 and 2, How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. And then look at verse 3 and 4. <clears throat> When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. Now, probably if you've been a Christian any amount of time, you've been hard-hearted and not quick to confess at one time or another. And you know what this is like. It just seems like you've got lead weights on your feet and everything you're doing is, is just a drudgery and, and the Lord's smile is not gone. He says, you know, there's, there's dark providences that come and he's disciplining to, to get us to the place to where we will confess our sin and forsake our sin. And so that's a good thing. Everything you do in a state of, un- when you haven't confessed sin is affected by that sin, uh, if it's a particular ministry at the church, um, shepherding your wife, your children, whatever it is, it's going to be fractured. It's going to be. It's not going to be. You're not going to be all in. You see what I'm saying? And so, the key is is to repent quickly. We're going to sin, but to repent quickly and to find grace. And that's what David says. He goes on. I acknowledge my sin to you, and my iniquity I did not hide. Verse five. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And the rest of the psalm is that application of this. But, you know, he, he's exuberant because his sin is for, for, or covered and um, forgiven, and his iniquity is not imputed to him. And then he reflects back on how heavy that was before he confessed. But then I confessed, and I felt the load come off. Lust will affect your relationship with your spouse. 
Um, it's really violating the marriage covenant. And we've already said that all your sexuality, in fact, 1 Corinthians 7.4, somebody can get there real quick. I have it right here. Okay. All your, all your sexuality should be directed towards your wife. Um, the wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband, has not the power of his own body, but the wife. So there's a rightful possession if you're married in, in a marriage covenant that your wife in a sense owns your body and vice versa and that so you're not to you know you have to honor that your attitude towards your wife will be affected um, <coughs> for she will be wounded and, and trust will be broken down when caught in a sin like this it affects others around you look at David and Second Samuel right um, Absalom, the conflict that was there, um, even Solomon, you know, he's doing great until First Kings 11 and then his, he just, he's not guarding his heart he, he just marries and all of this, uh, multiple women and of course then you see the fruit of that, Rehoboam, you know coming and one of the most wicked kings after him of course, you're not gonna, your leadership's going to be fractured and flawed because you're, you, you're hiding this center. You've got this problem. And we've already said it, but it profoundly affects you personally, your outlook on life. And, you know, depression is a huge problem these days. A lot of people are depressed. And, and I, I personally think that these antidepressants and medications not in every single case, but in many cases, is medicating the problem of sin and a guilty conscience mm. because there's not an acknowledgement of one's sin, and that leads them into depression. And so if there's some habitual sin that you're hiding, that you're enslaved to, you're going to be miserable, just like David was in Psalm 32. Well, Mark, do you have a question? Yeah, what do you recommend to people that think it's that to make them, you know? Yeah, that's where you just have to bring the gospel to bear. As you as you meet people, you mean that are people that take medication, thinking it's it's the medication that makes them, you know, sane instead of insane. Right. <laughs> right. Well, it, and like I said, you can't you can't say that in every single case. So it's a case by case kind of thing. Yeah, you have to be very careful if someone says I'm taking antidepressants. It's important not to say, well, therefore it follows that you have not repented in some fashion. Right. You need to be careful about that, because that can actually seriously discourage a brother or sister if it's not through personal sin, through volitional sin. So something that you can think about it, as you get to know that brother or sister, it might become more apparent that they do need to confess. And I think he's repent. talking about even somebody that may, maybe it's not a believer, maybe a neighbor or something like that. Still, you don't, you don't come out and say that, but as you get to know them, you'll opportunity. Can you turn to James uh, <coughs> Rob 1 14 and 15? So is there any case that is necessary to have those prescriptions? <clears throat> I think there is temporarily but the problem is is once somebody's on them they usually just keep giving them to them for life and I think that that's dangerous. Mm. There may be certain cases. Well as a mental health professional in training I can tell you that there's uh, within the mental health profession, there's a strong move away from uh, medication. A lot of it is because there are, there are a lot of New Agers in that profession, and the New Agers 
are more interested in like getting back to the earth, and they're like, oh no, uh, medication is evil. Uh, so there's there's a strong move away from medication in the mental health profession. So even even there, it's it's risk more and more discouraged. So yeah, that'd be inter- I'd be interested to see the stats on that because it seems like what I've studied, it's it's every year that's more and more is spent on that. So maybe there's a a bleep and it's going down. I don't know. It's hard to say. I know at least in in California, hmm. um, there's it's it's highly discouraged, uh, more and more so. At any rate, uh, James one fourteen and fifteen. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So you see, it's the idea there is that. It's, it's going to affect you, and if it's unconfessed, it leads to more sin, to more sin, to more sin, and the ultimate fruit of all that is what? Death, Death sadly. It, it can lead to sickness, uh, can lead to just destruction of yourself, and there's one. There's several Proverbs we could look at. I'm just going to read Proverbs 6, verse 25. Do not desire her beauty in your heart, nor let her capture you with her eyelids. For on account of a harlot, one is reduced to a loaf of bread, and an adulteress hunts for the precious life. I can tell you that I've seen people in that being reduced to a loaf of bread, and you might say, well, what does that look like? It looks like somebody who's lost their senses, and they're duped by somebody, Mm. the adulteress, Mm. and they're just taken away, and, and no matter what anybody says, they, you're all wrong, I know I'm right, and then, you know then you could read the rest of that later. Application for singles and teens. Um, Looking at porn or or a habitual lust problem will affect your relationship with your future wife. It it, it will. You can't just have a pattern of that and then all of a sudden get married and think, oh, all the problems are going to go away because now, of course, I'll have my wife, right? No, No, it doesn't doesn't work like that at all. Uh, it's not going to solve your problems. You need to deal with those before the Lord. And if this area is out of control, um, it's an indication that you're not ready for marriage. If this isn't under control, looking at lust, looking at porn, <coughs> and, and given to lust and looking at porn. So that leads to the next thing to, to consider. We have to watch over our hearts with all diligence. We have to war against lust. Job, in chapter 31, makes a covenant with his eyes that he would not look upon a virgin. And, of course, living here in Southern California, especially with warm weather, I mean, you can't hardly drive down the road but to see women half-dressed. And you need to have the blinders on. And, you know, you can't help the first look, but the second look you've got, you're, you're, you're responsible for that. So... Don't be deluded into thinking that, well, it's okay for now, but when I get married, you know, that'll all go away. That's that's a lie from the devil. So, so make a covenant with your eyes. Make a covenant with yourself. Stay as far away from temptation as possible. Proverbs 5, do not even go near her door. Okay, so, I mean, there's a, so in other words, walk on the opposite side <laughs> of the street you know, do whatever you have to do, take the alley, go down a different street, you know, that's the whole kind of thrust here, and set boundaries or guardrails for yourself, and some examples would be if, you know, if, if, if you've slipped once, 
to look at something on the internet, maybe maybe in the evening or something like that, or early morning or whatever on a Sunday when you should be in church, <laughs> um, you know, um, then you say, "I'm not going to put myself in that position," or "I'm going to have the computer somewhere where my roommate or whatever can can see this," or "I'm going to have a, you know software or whatever." But but you need to have guardrails, and and sadly, this area of lust can lead and often does lead to sexual immorality, right? So, like we read in 1 Corinthians 6, and you unite yourself to a prostitute. I mean, he's using exaggerated language, all the prostitute worship and all of that was very common in Corinth. You know, the idea there is that's not right. The two becomes one flesh. You can't just can't become one, one flesh and rip apart, you know, and all of that. It's destructive. Um, it's helpful to have certain rules, like I'm not going to drive with a single woman in the in the car without my wife or somebody else there, a friend. I'm not going to be alone with a woman counseling. I'll either I'll have my wife there or somebody else sitting in, or at where my office is, um, have like Marsha nearby, like with the door open. But I'm not going to be in a situation where I'm in closed doors and, and hidden off in an office. There's many, many, thousands of men that have fallen in the last 10 years to this very thing. Counseling somebody, even in Reformed churches, sadly. Um, the other thing is you, close relationships as a married man. <coughs> um, it's fine as couples, but you shouldn't have a close relationship with a member of the opposite sex that's not your wife without your wife being there, being a very aware of that. Um, so it just really shouldn't be. That, that should be reserved for your wife. Of course, there's a temptation in some office environments to be flirtatious. The new secretary, hey, hey, you're new in the, in the <laughs> hey, hey, you know, all right out of school, huh? You know, all of that kind of stuff. It's I know you guys know that. Okay, this phone's buzzing away. Uh, so, the other thing, too, is just if, if, you know, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you know what a, a tempting situation is going to look like, and you have to run. <laughs> get away from it. Don't sit there and engage it. How close can I get to it before it? grabs me, you know. Go away. Right away. It's interesting and our our culture has shifted so much that in New York I was reading about these guys sell wedding rings. Like foreigners do on the outside of the hotel bars and the clubs. Because a man is way more likely to be successful in picking up a woman if he has a wedding ring on. Because the women are going for the married guys. Mm, how about the that's Wow, that's sick. Yeah, I know. It's like, I don't know. It's like, wow. That's, that's our culture has really gotten towards. You almost just want to be a, a monastic, you know, you just not even be anywhere. David, of course, you know, um, King David. He's supposed to be out at war. It's when kings are at war, and there he is on the rooftop, and he sees David arose from his bed and walked around on the roof the king's house and from the roof he saw the woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful in, in appearance he should have ran <laughs> you know instead you know the story 
I'm sorry, what amazes me, and what really resonates with me is the reference that Scripture gives to um, the entrapment of this 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 whole area um, <clears throat> with believers reading the Bible because we believe there's power in the Scripture, and yet the Scripture references this power of this whole facet of sexual immorality. So I mean, just just... It's one thing for, for somebody to attest to it, but for the scriptures to really attest to it is is another. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's, it, you know, besides the scriptures, I mean, it's because of our sin. Our hearts are de- depraved, and, you know, it's we have remaining sin, even as renewed Christians, but uh, the, the, the power of sin is, is very strong, but greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So, yeah, you know, so there, there is... Victory, of course, can be had. Um, so, at what point does a look become lustful? In your imagining. Okay, so in your head, right? Okay. Let's just say we're out at a coffee shop and somebody walks by and you know, half dressed or whatever. At what point does? If you look, does that become a lustful thought? Like after the thought of what you recognize, you have a thought of what you've just seen, and either you look away or you look again. Right. You you had that split second to make a decision as to what you're going to do. Yeah, you know? I, I think that's that's exactly right. And one of the, there's several books I'm going to share here at the end, but um, one of the books uh, emphasizes <laughs> this bouncing of the eyes thing. So you know when you see something, you quickly bounce your eyes to something else so that you're not taking that. That second look. One thing I want to add is uh, there's a lot of confusion about uh, desire, like when is desire good and when is desire wrong. So I, I, my last girlfriend, this is several years ago, she's told me that uh, she'd slept with a lot of guys, and she had said, um, I was just talking to her about the difference between lust and desire, and she actually did not know the difference. <laughs> she thought desire of any kind was equal to lust, and that was a big source of her problems. So I think it's really important to discuss the difference between just desire that's not in itself bad, and then what actually gets to the point of, of lust. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to distinguish. If someone who literally did not know the difference and said, well, if I'm already lusting, what difference does it make? How would you, like... Yeah, how would you differentiate? Yeah. What do you mean by that? Uh, knowing when you're... So, I think kind of what Trey and Kerr were talking about, of noticing a beautiful woman and just saying, okay, there's a beautiful woman, and not kind of staring and saying, oh, I'm going to persist. So I think Trey is right that once you once it registers in your mind what you're looking at, not just... Because if you're drawn away, it's one thing to just kind of be drawn away, but then just kind of sit there and say, oh... This is I, I like where this I, this is pleasing to me. I'm going to persist with this, and I think over time that the persistence of it. What, what do you mean exactly by desire? Because when I hear desire, I, I'm thinking sexual desire towards that um, woman. Well, I think for, that for for a man, you know, you're you're created with certain um, tendencies. I mean, when, n- nobody here who saw a beautiful woman would not want to engage in something like that. However, you know, as a Christian, you you have to have that, that that power within you to recognize immediately what you've seen and recognize the power that Scripture gives to that that, that particular area and move away from it. So that, 
you get to desire where you are pursuing what you know is wrong. And you, oh, sorry, you have lust which you, where you're pursuing what you know is wrong. Because lust to a sinner is nothing. Lust to a believer is something. So when you're pursuing something you know is wrong, or you're overly desiring something that Scripture has told you not to, it becomes lust. But to desire a beautiful woman is for a man. I mean, that's, that's just... I don't know if I'm explaining that very well. Attraction? Or? Yeah, I can okay, understand yeah, attraction. attraction. You can notice somebody's beautiful, yeah, but when I'm thinking desire, you're desiring that person, and that's that's when we have the imagination, and you start fantasizing about uh, that particular person, and which that's why for me it's um, maybe a, a better clarification would be to say I find that woman desirable. Like I can see that she has qualities that would okay. make her desirable. Okay, yeah, I understand that. And then, sort of like, I mean, Trey brought this awesome fruit, saying, oh, there's, that's quality fruit, and then it's somebody else's, but I want to take some. So I think there's the volitional aspect of, I find this desirable, and I want it now, and I'm going to set my mind to pursuing it. Mm -hmm. And then if you can't do so in person because she's unavailable or isn't interested, then doing so in your mind, I think that's where it's... But I also think, too, that Scripture can provide us with a lot of objective guidelines, but ultimately each man needs to be aware when he, when he is lusting. And I think one of the good things about following the Lord is he sharpens our conscience so that we have a better sense of... Because look, yeah, the pagan isn't going to be aware his, his conscience is weak. So there's not going to be the awareness of I'm lusting now because it doesn't mean anything to him. But because of the Lord's sanctification, there's going to be a better awareness of, yes... My conscience is more sensitive, and I'm more aware of when I'm crossing the line. Yeah, I mean, you've got the spirit of Christ inside of you. I mean, it's like you. I mean, let's face it; it's not like, oh, I didn't know that was wrong. Yeah, yeah you know, if you're if you're <laughs> if you're a Christian, you know. But the thing is, with the world, it's like it's like that statistic at the beginning. It's like over half of men and women just think this is a the pornography thing is a a viable acceptable way to express one's sexuality. Well, that's the mentality of the world. You know, the Bible does talk, I mean, even for the office of pastor, he who desires this desires a good thing. So there is good, <coughs> proper desire to desire a wife. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. So but I, I think what you're saying, Trey, is just that the, the way the way we're wired as men, of we, well, nowadays, see, there's even confusion in that. There's a natural attraction to the opposite sex. But... That's to be all spent on your wife, and you can notice that that's a beautiful woman, but I'm not going to think about her again, and I don't want to look a second time, you know? And so, but we do need to move on because of time here. Um, so, we need to take radical action. Matthew 5, we already read it. Lop off right hands, pluck out eyes. Um, when you're tempted, run. Remember Joseph, that story, Genesis 39, Potiphar's wife? I mean, he ran. She got his jacket, but he got out of there, you know, and he was thrown in prison and, of course, raised um, up and um, came second in uh, command there in Egypt, ultimately, to save the, the seed. Um, sometimes radical action might mean cutting the cable. I'm canceling cable. You know, if there's, you know, you got filth channels coming in or whatever, or the Internet, I'm going to only use the internet at cafes or, you know, Starbucks or whatever, all these places that have it. I think there's some more subtle dangers out there. Like, for me, I mean, I would say that um, since the Lord saving me would be not so much with the pornography that I used to struggle with or um, that area, but 
even going to the gym. Going to the gym, especially for me on a daily basis, is is literally a struggle. And I'm I've, I've, I've seriously thought about canceling my membership and just working out on base because getting both there's nothing but men. <laughs> you know? TRX. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's it's to that point where you got women just walk around in short. Well, it's the things, uh, you know? it's, it's the meat market. Yeah. You know, it's like you you're buying a membership to a meat market that's a danger zone with grenades everywhere. <laughs> you know, or, or even certain times of the day, I have to avoid. Like sometimes if I'm off work or if I'm off early and I go to the gym around 10 a.m., then there's some housewives who are there, and their husbands are at work, and you can tell they're clearly older ladies who are dressed very provocatively for a very specific intention. And you just you can't help but yeah. you know, really pay attention to those, those little so traps. That leads me, though, that's, that's good, uh, Trey, because what, what needs to happen is you need to identify sinful patterns in your life, okay? You find yourself, you know repenting and confessing about this and that and then you take action against that take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ Paul says in 2 Corinthians um, Philippians 4 this is uh, should have this memorized I'm reading it because I don't want to butcher it but finally brethren whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is of good repute if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise dwell on these things so we need to fill our mind with truth not the lies of the devil not the lies of the world but we need to dwell on those things which are true honorable right pure lovely and of good repute the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me paul says practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end is destruction, Proverbs 14 says, right? So beware of trusting in your heart, trusting your feelings. But it just feels so right. No, your heart is de- <laughs> your, your heart is depraved. <laughs> and so this is where accountability and prayer is so important. So... Uh, you know, times like this, times when we, we're going to hunker down and pray for the men of our church and the men of the, who we know um, who may struggle with this or may not struggle with this, that, that, that we'd be fortified and strengthened as iron sharpens iron. Um, we need to have one another in our lives. And then we need to be very careful if this is not a struggle for you to not condemn your brother, right? But it's, what does it say in Galatians 6? Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. It's the idea of mending the nets or setting a, a, a cast. Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you will not be tempted, and then bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. And ultimately, we need to draw near to God, right? Romans or Romans, uh, James four speaks of that. Draw near to God; He will draw near to you. We need to be under the means of grace. We need to be not forsaking corporate worship with God's people, the ordinances, and those types of things are fortifying to our faith. They strengthen us, and also being in the Word and in prayer through the week, getting together with brothers, getting together at times like this. This is fortifying. This is strengthening, and. It's good for us. We need to trust 
God ultimately to be with us in times of temptation. There is no temptation that has overtaken you except for such as common to man, but with the temptation he will provide a way of escape. That's a paraphrase because I couldn't get there quick enough. So, But God is faithful. That's in the middle. So he'll provide a way of escape. So that's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And stay busy doing the good that he has called you to do, whatever that is. You know, your, your work, excel in your work. Your Bible studies, excel in that. Your school, your, you know, whatever, to excel in the, the things that are good that you have. In other words, beware of idle time. Idle time has brought so many men down by having too much idle time. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Draw near to your wife if you're married. Invest in your marriage and reserve that for those who aren't married for when you will be married. So I just want to end with just saying that if anyone's listening to this or anyone here, if God offers hope and forgiveness. You know, if we come and we we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and all unrighteousness. God is merciful. He is compassionate and he will not leave you squandering if you're crying to him. And, and remember, like 1 Corinthians, I'm almost there. Paul says, Or do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, homosexuals, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. We were all given to that. And if it may be not given to one of those in particular, but maybe it's the other one, but the seeds of depravity in your heart could have went after every one of those things before you were converted. Such were some of you, but now you've been renewed. Get accountability. Find a brother, a pastor, if you struggle in those, these areas of, of lust. And, and if you need internet filters, there's plenty out there. Um, a good accountability software that I probably use the most with, with men who struggle is Covenant Eyes. Uh, there's Net Nanny, K9. Um, OpenDNS. Which one? OpenDNS. Yeah, OpenDNS. Now that's only going to help you at home, right? Oh, there's, you mean like software packages that you... Well, open DNS is uh, isn't that like it's it goes before the router? So yeah, anything, you add it to your um, yeah. So it's it, so you get it in your house. So all your devices are, are protected. But if you're on your mobile device and you're out somewhere else, it doesn't necessarily protect that, DNS right? Domain. Domain name server. And Covenant Eyes does though. It's like an app that you can download. That yeah. I mean, it, it costs money, and uh, but yeah. And there's like a family thing where you can put it on, like in our family, we've got all kinds of devices. And also, there's some books here that, there's other books um, I couldn't bring. I, I, I had to grab these really quick, but Joshua Harris, I don't recommend everything he writes, but this book is really straightforward, not even a hint. Uh, taking that from uh, Ephesians, Guarding Your Heart Against Lust. We went through this as a men's group um, some years back. And then... This is a short little read by Tim Challies. Some of you know his blog, Sexual Detox. So this is good um, to look at. And then 
this. I don't agree with all the theology in it, but it has been <laughs> used quite a bit. But Every Man's Battle, Stephen Otterburn and Fred Stoker. So it looks like this. Of course, the covers on these things change over the years. But I've taken guys through this. There's a workbook that goes with this and with Josh Harris. So there are some helpful tools to be working through to, to also help. Amen.